today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. It's through the Word of God that we read of God's might and His majesty, of His holiness and of His righteousness. It's through the pages of Scripture that we clearly see even our own sinfulness and our failings in our lives. We read that and we see how far we do fall short of God's glory. It's that same Word also, though, that comes that we can learn of God's mercy. We learn of the grace of God. It's through the same word that we see God's faithfulness, His long-suffering toward us. It's through that word that we understand there's hope, even in our situation. The Bible says that we've been given everything we need for life and godliness. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us that the main thing that the Lord provides is His very own Spirit to empower us to do as God would have us to do. The Holy Spirit convicts us when we do wrong and leads us back into fellowship with Christ. The Holy Spirit also leads us into all truth so that we might rightly divide the Word of God and know what Jesus' will is for our life. The Holy Spirit is also our comforter and helper in times of need. Now here's Pastor David with part one of his message, The Great Escape from the Book of 2 Peter. Peter writes, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Here in Second Peter, Peter tells us that we've been given everything necessary for life and godliness. He tells us that we've been given exceedingly great and precious promises. He tells us that through these, we've, been part, we've become partakers of the divine nature. And he says, because we've experienced ourselves this great escape, we've escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And so I look at this and I realize that you and I, we as believers, we have a calling, a calling to escape, a continue calling to continue to escape the corruption that's in the world that's brought on by lust. Now we're going to speak more of that issue of lust in a moment, but for right now, I want us to look at this idea of his divine power that gives to us all things that pertain to life 
and godliness. What is it that's been given to you and I as believers that would pertain to life and godliness? Well, I can tell you the first thing that's been given to us as believers that are going to help us in life and in living our life, and and that is the work and the power of the Holy Spirit within the life of every believer. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord, the Holy Spirit is in your life. He is the seal. He is the promise of God within your life that God will complete the work that he's begun in you. It's the Holy Spirit that comes to comfort us, to remind us, to direct us, and to convict us. Now understand, there's a world of difference between conviction and condemnation. No, the Spirit doesn't come to condemn us. He comes to convict us. He's the one that comes in our lives and he says, you know what? That's, that's the wrong thought. That's the wrong attitude that you're carrying in your life. That's the wrong direction you're going. God is saying, go here and you're going there. You need to redirect your life. But he's also the one that's been given to us to empower our lives, to be able to live our lives for God's glory. He is the dunamis. That's the Greek word for power. It's where we get our word dynamite. The Holy Spirit is the power of God working within our lives in order that we might be those very children of God, obedient and faithful to God. And as Jesus prepared himself, you remember, as he prepared to ascend into the heavens, this is after his resurrection, he's speaking to the disciples there, and he speaks to them, and he tells them to go and tarry, or go, go and wait in Jerusalem until you are endued, or until you're given or gifted with the power, that dunamis, from on high. And he was speaking of the promise of the Holy Spirit that would come to them there in that upper room that we read about in the earlier chapter of Acts. And it was through that empowering work of the Holy Spirit that they would then become effective witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and on into the uttermost parts of the world. And that's still true for you and I today. It's still through the empowering work of the Holy Spirit that you and I can experience the victory over sin in our lives, that we can experience the freedom from our captivity, that we can live our lives completely in that freedom. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to walk in obedience and faithfulness in the Lord. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can become witnesses to a lost and a dying world. It's through the empowering work of the Holy Spirit that we're able to rightly divide the word of truth. You know what? A lost man can read this word and without the Holy Spirit's empowering and working in his life, he says, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's only when the Holy Spirit begins to revealing this word to him that it becomes real to us. It's only through that opening of our eyes, the removing of the scale from our eyes that we can read this word and understand, man, that is the word of God and the power of that word. That's, that's one of the other things that God has given us pertaining to life and godliness, that God has allowed us to have the very word of God written and given us, written by the prophets of the Old Testament, the disciples of the new, holy men of God, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, as Peter tells us a little bit later here, even in chapter one. And it's through the word of God that we learn of God's person and God's purpose. It's through the word of God that we read of God's might and his majesty, of his holiness and of his righteousness. 
It's through the pages of Scripture that we clearly see even our own sinfulness and our failings in our lives. We read that and we see how far we do fall short of God's glory. It's that same word also, though, that comes that we can learn of God's mercy. We learn of the grace of God. It's through the same word that we see God's faithfulness, his long-suffering toward us. It's through that word that we understand there's hope even in our situation. It's in the word that we find that hope of forgiveness. It's through the word of God, not the word of man that confirms us that we and, and how we are to be saved. The word tells us in, in Romans chapter 10, says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, the word says we'll be saved. It says for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says... Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. You see, God has given us the word in order that we might live our lives and that we might, again, live it to his glory. All Everything pertaining to life and godliness. It's in the word of God, both Old Testament and New Testament, that we learn of God's plan of salvation. You may be here today and maybe someone's spoken to you, but do you know that it's the word of God that reveals to us how we can get our sin forgiven? Number one, the fact that we do have sin. Number two, that we can get our sin forgiven. And number three, that we can actually become the children of God. It's in the Old Testament that we learn that the just will live by faith. A lot of people say, oh no, the Old Testament is all law. No, the Old Testament tells us that it's only through faith, through faith. That's Habakkuk. And that's repeated multiple times in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, that we read that Christ was the sacrifice, sufficient for the payment of all sin. Isaiah writes, but he, speaking of Messiah, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes were healed. Because all we like sheep, we'd gone astray. We turned every one of us to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's in the word of God that we learn that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Christ became a curse for you and I. All that we need pertaining to life and godliness, and so on. Through the word, we read of these things and we see these things. It's even by the word that we're able to judge the experiences of our life and the teachings that surround us. It's through the word of God that we're able to test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. There are so many today who preach and teach based on experience rather than on the solid teaching of the word of God. They'll have a little bit of the word of God, and then from there they go on with their life experience. Life experience is good, but that's not where we gain our strength. I want to hear the testimony of how God has moved and worked in your life and in my life. But beloved, it's the word of God that has power and strength, and it's by the word of God that we're able to test the spirits, to see if they are of God. Throughout the word, we see these exceedingly great and precious promises that Peter declares here that have been given to us by the very divine power of God. He gives us these 
things, not only all things pertaining to life and godliness, but also he's given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. These are exceedingly great. And that tells us about, again, the quantity. Tells us about the depth of them. Tells us of the extent of these promises. It also says that they're precious, exceedingly precious. And this speaks about the quality of the promises that God gives us through his word. Speaks of the purity of those promises. And even the thought of you and I being cherished by God. Have you thought about that lately? That you are cherished in the eye of God. And I say, well, not me, pastor. Yeah, every one of us, we are cherished in the eyes of God. He, he knows what took place a, a week ago or maybe an hour ago. He knows those things. He knows the attitudes that maybe we had even as we came through these doors. And yet we are cherished in his sight. We're so cherished that he sent his son to die for us. That's how cherished we are in his sight. That's a precious promise. But it also tells us, Peter tells us here, the very source of all of these things. They come by way of God's divine power, promise of eternal life, the promise of his continual presence in our life, the promise of the peace that passes all understanding, the promise that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, the promise that if we seek his face, he will lead us, he'll direct our steps, the promise that nothing will ever separate us from his love, and on and on and on we go through the pages of Scripture, those exceedingly great and precious promises of God for us as believers. And as we become partakers of these promises, we're able to be partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. God himself working in and through us. That, that again, what an awesome thought that is. That God himself, the creator of all that there is, is willing to work within your life and mine. We're able to be partakers of his divine nature. Now, I don't know about you, but it's, it's probably easier for me to think that God would be up there, he creates the world, and we're on our own. It is amazing, though, to me, to understand that he did so much more than that. He didn't just leave us to our own devices. He became intimately involved in our lives. And he allows us to be partakers of that divine nature. But we need to be careful on what that means. You need to clearly understand what that says and what it doesn't say for us to be partakers of the divine nature. Because there's a lot of bad, there's a lot of false teaching. And that's what the book of Second Peter is all about. We are to be the guardians of the faith. We need to be watching and careful of the teachings that are going on. Peter wrote to the church then because there was so much false teaching false doctrine that was going on even in the first century church. And now 2,000 years later, there's just as much, if not more, and people are being fed into it and they are buying it hook, line, and sinker. We look at this, partakers of the divine nature. Let me tell you what it does not mean. It does not mean that we become divine in nature. That is not 
what it means. The very word that Peter uses here when he says that we are partakers, it's the same word that we get koinonia, fellowship, communion, being partakers with, participating with. What Peter is saying here, we experience the fellowship of communion with the divine nature when we are experiencing the greatness and the preciousness of his promises together. Whenever we have a time of experiencing the, that, that overwhelming power and presence of God in our lives, we can rightly say, God is in this place. I, I, I'm tasting it. I am enjoying his presence in this place. We taste and we experience him, but we do not become divine in nature. How wrong it would be for us when we are experiencing the reality of God in our life, to say, I am becoming God. And yet, you know, that's a lie and the false doctrine that's in the world today. That's a teaching of new age. That, that's Eastern mysticism. Years ago, Maharishi Mahashoga, say that three times real quick, okay? I had to study all week to get that name down. This is what he says. He says that man is divine. The inner man is fully divine. And listen to these words that he says. Be still and know that you are God. When you know you are God, you will begin to live Godhood. Swami Muktananda, another great name says, your God dwells within you as God. In other words, you as God. He's in you, that makes you God. There was a really popular book, probably still is popular. It was a self-help and a, a, a spiritual disciplines book. It was written back in 1978 by a psychologist by the name of M. Scott the name of the book, and some of you might have seen it, uh, maybe you've read it, hopefully you're not living by it. It was called The Road Less Traveled. It was, a, it was a bestseller. As a matter of fact, it had a huge run as bestseller on the New York Times list. And the book was so popular, it was even in a lot of Christian bookstores. But listen to what Peck writes in that book. In the pages of that book, he writes, God wants us to become himself, and then in parenthesis, or herself, or itself. We are growing toward godhood. God is the goal of evolution. That's not the road less traveled. That's the road most traveled. That's the road that the lost are traveling. But beloved, that's not a tunnel that you can go through to gain freedom and to gain escape. That tunnel leads to nowhere. And you and I, as the church and the church universal, we ought to be able to read statements like that and, and very quickly realize, man, that is blasphemous. That is, that is absolutely wrong and blasphemous. But yet do you realize even today that a large portion of the church is declaring those same kind of heresies, those same kind of blasphemies, those same kind of false doctrines and teachings. One very powerful, well-followed-after, well-known 
preacher, radio preacher, television preacher declares this. Am I a god? Man was created in the god class. It was not created in the animal class. It was the god class. He has a uniqueness about him that even angels do not have. Now Peter said, and he even quotes here, that by exceeding great and precious promises, you become partakers of the divine nature. All right. Are we gods? We are a class of gods. He goes on a little bit later and declares God is a spirit. And Jesus said the time will come and now is that they will worship him in spirit. Worship him in spirit and in truth. And he imparted to you when you were born again. Peter said it just as plain. He said that we are partakers of the divine nature. That nature is life eternal in absolute perfection. And that was imparted or injected into our spirit man, and you have that imparted into you by God. You don't have a God in you. You are one. Kenneth Copeland. But that's not all. There's more. The late TBN president, Paul Crouch. Let me stop right here. Some people might say, well, why are you naming names? Because so many believers are listening to this garbage. And so many people are being led astray. If the Apostle Paul was bold enough to speak the names that have caused him great harm and that have caused great harm to the body of Christ, I think we need to be able to do that too. And all I'm stating is what these men have declared. And it's blasphemy, it's heresy, it's false teaching, and people are buying it hook, line, and sinker. Paul Crouch, again, a a, a big defender of, of the heresies that the men and women of what's called the word faith movement. He says, I am a little God. Critics be gone. That was on his Praise the Lord program on TBN. Benny Hinn, so popular to so many. He was so convinced of our unity with God that he affirms, when I stand in Christ, I am one with him. I am not part of him. I am him. Really? The word has become flesh in me. Beloved, that's blasphemy. And there's a multitude of other quotes that I could bring that would take up, more, take up our afternoon of time. I could bring you videos of these men declaring these very same things. Not just, not just Copeland, not just Crouch, not just Hen, but men like Rodney Howard Brown, Earl Polk, Morris Carrillo, Casey Dre- uh, Treat, Greflo Dollar, Eddie Long, Jesse Duplantis, and a host of others who spout the same kind of blasphemies. I look at the writing of Peck, and I see in that writing a foundation that is based on such a heresy. How can I receive anything else that this man says? It would be like me bringing to you uh, this luscious grilled porterhouse steak, saying, oh, this thing is grilled to perfection just the way you like it. Now, in the preparation, I put a little arsenic on it, but there's just a little bit. It will taste wonderful, and people eat it and lick the plate. Hundreds of thousands of believers following after this stuff and supporting these heresies. 
become a god? Isn't that the same lie we heard back in the garden? so glad we were able to spend time with you today on The Open Word. We hope the message you heard has been encouraging and maybe even given you an incentive to dig a little deeper into the book of 2 Peter for yourself. Did you know that you don't have to wait to hear more teachings from The Open Word? Just visit our website, theopenword.com. We have a number of messages available there to listen to right now or download to hear at your convenience. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you'll never miss a teaching. You're an important part of the ministry here at The Open Word. If you've felt a prompting to become more involved in this great ministry, listen up. Pastor David has a special message just for you. You know, I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word. And God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Your gift, large or small, is greatly appreciated for the kingdom of God. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all we have time for today. Pastor David will continue teaching through 2 Peter when you join us next time on The Open Word. Cause